In the name of Jesus. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Have you not heard of that little word, amen? Been a while since you read your catechism and, and covered the last part of the Lord's Prayer where Luther writes about this mighty little word. Amen is your confession of faith. It means yes, yes, it, it shall be so. Yes, I believe. It means truly, truly, this is the truth. You want to try it again? In the name of Jesus. Amen. Now you can be seated. There's yet another reason this Sunday to give your amen. To give a long and hearty amen. Today is Rejoice Sunday. Gaudette is the historical term. You see the, the pink candle lit over here. Today is all about rejoicing. Joy in the midst of a little somberness because we are still in the preparatory phase for Christmas. Joy in the midst of awaiting patiently the coming Savior, Jesus Christ. Hear these words from our scripture appointed for the day from Philippians 4. Paul writes, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone, for the Lord is at hand. Did you catch why in that verse you're supposed to have a little bit of joy? You're supposed to rejoice because the Lord is at hand. Now growing up, I was born back in the, the roaring Jesus 70s. My parents traveled around and it was called Lutheran Youth Encounter. And the goal was to reform the church, to, to infuse joy, to make people joyful. And so there's, well, <clears throat> one of the songs I learned. Rejoice in the Lord always and again I... Oh, you've heard that one. It's not a bad one. But you see, it's not just a superficial joy. It's not just let's get people all excited. No, no, no. There's, there's substance to joy, just as there should be substance to your amen. And the substance for joy and the substance for amen should be the fact that the Lord is at hand, meaning He's very near. But more on that later. From an Old Testament text, the prophet Zephaniah says this, Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart. And as we just sang in our hymn of the day, Hark, a thrilling voice is sounding. Christ is near, we hear it say. You see, this time of year, as we commonly call it, I mean, we're in the Advent season, but, but let's be fair and honest, it's, it's the Christmas season, it's all around us, it's, it's on the radio, and, and it's certainly on our minds. And there's an expectation of joy, correct? There's parties to plan, parties to attend, there's Christmas decorations. We finally got a tree yesterday, by the way. Don't know about you. Hard to find a cut-your-own-Christmas-tree with the drought they had five, six years ago. But it's okay, we found one at Lowe's. They're always there for you. There's also the expectation of holiday hospitality. 
putting on that face and the mannerisms when you go home or your Christmas parties for work. You know what I mean. You don't really want to be there. And you don't really want to see those people, but <laughs> cha-ching, there comes your Christmas smile. And you square your shoulders. And you're a little bit more patient. And you're a little bit more kind. Perhaps you're thinking about all those things. That's part of that expectation. And here at Advent, here at Advent Lutheran Church, there's an expectation. Are we going to like this new pastor? Oh my, he looks a little different from he did a month and a half ago. What happened? Is his razor packed in a box somewhere in his house? Oh my, are we going to like him, love him, or ask him to go back to Nebraska? I don't know, but expectations all the same. And not only that, today marks now the beginning of our 25th anniversary year. 25 years, some of you have been here that long. 25 years of God's Word. God's Word being preached and taught faithfully. God's sacraments administered according to His mandate and institution. 25 years of grace and mercy oozing from this place out to townships, cities and counties all around us. A haven of true peace and rest. A place of joy. Yet in the midst of all those things, the Christmas season comes now and can be overshadowed by a deep sense of sadness. Because we must not forget that there are many this time of year in the midst of all the joy and the hubbub who are dealing with loss, with grief, with pain, with despair, and especially depression. One in three, did you know? One in three people suffer from some sort of mental illness, not necessarily diagnosed. But the holidays, which can be so wonderful for many of us, can be exactly the opposite for others. This month is extremely hard on the widowed, the divorced, those grieving the loss of loved ones, those that live alone, those estranged from family, and those who are thousands of miles from family and friends. And with all that stuff, we're quickly reminded of our nature, right? We're quickly reminded that we are yet sinners, sinful by nature as we confessed earlier, and unclean. The anxieties and fears in the midst of all of this joy, well, the anxieties and fears bubble to the surface, don't they? Will my kids be all right in the coming year? How about their transition from one grade to another, one school to another, one state to another? Will my marriage hold? We've had good times, but boy, it just doesn't seem like we communicate anymore. And the spark, where's that spark? I see it on the Hallmark Channel. Oh, I want that again. Oh, you watch the Hallmark Channel too, okay. Will I be able to keep my job? You know, there's been changes at work. New boss, change of policy. What about my health? 
I know my pant size gotten bigger, but the doctor says a few of the levels he tested for have also gotten larger. Will I be okay? Will this be my last Christmas? Such fears and anxieties for us as sinners can easily overwhelm any rejoicing. Or, at a bare minimum, make our rejoicing only seem superficial. The airs that we put on for our coworkers and our family and maybe even those at church. And thus it is that your sin and mine threatens our joy. Which is why we need, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, which is why we need a healthy dose of God's Word. And today we have just that. Not only from Zephaniah, but also from Paul, and most certainly from our Lord Jesus. All of them point us to a joy that goes far beyond holiday cheer. It goes beyond anniversaries and new vocations or new jobs or a tree. All of them direct us to an eternal joy that has substance, that is anchored in God's love revealed in Jesus, in the Word. Here's the good news that Zephaniah brings. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. The King is in your midst. Well, wait a minute. What King is Zephaniah talking about? I mean, after all, at Zephaniah's time, there was great warning to God's people because they had rejected God's very word, forgotten about the promise, so much so that Zephaniah early on in his book, and you can read about it, it's amazing, warns them of what's to come. The wages of sin is death. And so that's coming for God's people. Not only that, as a nation, they will be conquered, carried off into exile, that all happens at the beginning of Zephaniah's book. So how is it here in chapter 3 that he talks about the Lord being in your midst? And wait a minute. If I remember any of my Bible history, Zephaniah's Old Testament, right? So who is this king? Who is this king of glory that is supposed to come in? That is supposed to be in your midst? The answer? I hope you know. He is the Word, the eternal Logos. Prior to Jesus taking up space in the womb of the Virgin Mary, prior to the incarnation of God becoming fully man, He was and is the Word. The Word, the King. The Word that came back then through the prophets and Scripture reminds us of this, and so should you, catechetically speaking. In the past, God spoke to our fathers through the prophets. But now in these last days, He's spoken to us through His Son. The Word has always been. And John reminds all of his readers and hearers, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. The Word was with God in the beginning. You see, it's this Word that God the Father chooses to share with you. 
chose to share with his people of old that they might find some substance for hope in the midst of their sin, in the midst of the ways that they had turned away from God. There was yet a promise. And so for you and for me, there yet remains a promise. Always. The Apostle Paul, later on in the New Testament, right, echoes this. Rejoice, he says, the Lord is at hand. The Lord is near. The Lord is at hand. How is that possible? Because all I see around me, all I fear is this is this impending sadness and doom and these challenges and these difficulties. Which brings us to our gospel text, which is simply marvelous. Here we have John the Baptist. And you might wonder, by the way, why we talk about John the Baptist during Advent. Doesn't seem to be chronologically part of the story, right? There's a reason. You see, John the Baptist was the last and greatest prophet, as Jesus himself says in our text, to come. And the reason John the Baptist is so important is that when people recognize that John the Baptist, this last and greatest prophet, has come, guess who comes next? Guess who has now finally arrived? Guess what promise finally has flesh on its bones? Oh yeah. So when John the Baptist shows up, you know to expect Jesus. But did they? Or did John? You might look to your pastors, you might look to your elected leaders, you might look to your bosses, ladies, you might look to your husbands, children to your parents and think, oh my, they're so perfect. They can never screw up. They don't have any doubts and worries and fears. Boy, I want to be like them. Don't you fall into that trap. John the Baptist, a great man, a great prophet. But I would suggest to you from our text today that he has his own concerns, worries, and fears. Oh yeah, I know, I'm one of those pastors who thinks that the only sinless person was Jesus. Deal with it. John the Baptist is sitting in prison. You know why he's in prison? Because he's been faithful to the Word of God. He's pointed out sin. He didn't worry about whether what he said was going to be politically correct or whether it was going to pack the church full of people, or whether people were going to put more money in the offering plates, he simply spoke the Word of God. And when he did that, when he called out the public sin of adultery, man, (laughs) forget about all the stuff you see on Facebook and on TV. Forget about the whatever movement. John the Baptist spoke God's Word. And for that, he was in prison, awaiting death. And so naturally, he's a sinner. He's got questions. He calls his disciples when they, they come to visit. You know, and you can imagine, there's, there's the plate glass window between them with the little button you've got to push. Have you ever been to visit somebody in prison? 
And there's John the Baptist on the other side. They've probably taken away his, his, uh, his camel coat, and instead of a wild locust and honey, he's probably got to eat like uh, grits and beans or something, right? So he's not a happy guy anyway. There he is in prison, and he's talking to his disciples. He said, hey, go talk to Jesus, because I, I, need, I need the Word, man. I need to see some sort of, of hope in the midst of this that my life hasn't been in vain. I call this the Saving Private Ryan moment. Each of us have had it. Have I been good enough? Have I really earned your sacrifice? Have I done enough? Let me warn you, you start going down that road, it's dark and it's lonely because you're thinking only about yourself. Jesus. Are you the one who is to come? Are you the one who's going to help me with my, with my depression, with the changes I'm dealing with? Are you going to help me with all the craziness of my life? Or should I look somewhere else? So John's disciples go to ask this Jesus fellow that question. And they ask it for him. Luke records word for word, verbatim. And amazingly, in that hour while all this is going on, Jesus is about doing His Jesus stuff. Because Jesus didn't come to be an earthly king with titles and, and big salaries and fancy cars and, and accolades for Himself. Jesus is there doing the work of His vocation. Same thing you're called to do, whether you're a dad or a mom, a husband or a wife, whatever job you have, to do that which God has given you to do. And so there Jesus is. He's healing. Healing people with diseases, plagues, evil spirits. Those who were blind, He bestowed sight. And Jesus does His work, but then Jesus then answers them. Because God always answers prayer. Always. And Jesus answers them. He says, you go and tell John. But Jesus is, is not just preaching to them or to you and me. Jesus is concerned about John, which should tell you a lot. It should tell you that just as Jesus is concerned about what John needs to hear, Jesus is also concerned with what you need to hear. Which is why 25 years in this place is amazing. And why we need to make sure we stay on the same track and path for the next 25 of God's Word in all of its entirety, law and gospel being proclaimed, and that's going to hit hard sometimes. It's going to identify sin. Sometimes that'll be our sin. Sometimes that of the world. But always the sweet and precious gospel. Go and tell John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the poor and that's you and me, right? The poor. The sinners. The weak in spirit. The poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Jesus comes. Jesus, the Word in the flesh made manifest, comes for you and for me. 
And He comes to do battle with our worry, our anxiety, our fear. He comes to do battle with your sin and mine, which keeps us sometimes from having real joy. That keeps us sometimes from giving a loud and long and a hearty amen. Jesus comes. And to the cross He goes. We're there upon the cross. All of your doubts, your worries, your anxieties, your fears, your superficialness. He dies for it. He takes it and covers over all of it with His holy precious blood. He pays for your sin and mine. He rescues us, not with things of this world, not with gold or silver, but with His holy precious blood and His innocent suffering and death. And He now calls you brother and sister. He calls you Advent Lutheran fellow redeemed in the Lord. He comes and He says, hey, your name written alongside mine in our Father's family tree. In holy baptism, my dad gave you my name. And you're covered now with my righteousness. And so you can live daily in that baptism. And when you get afraid, when you get worried, when you get fearful, when, when life just gets ridiculous, I'm at hand. I'm here with you. In you in your baptism. And guess what? Every day that you celebrate my joyful resurrection from the grave, every day you are reminded of what I have done for you. And when you get to come into this place on that day, on Sunday, I'm going to give you even more so that you know that I'm here, that I'm at hand. I'm going to let you hear my word read and preached. And not only that, I'm going to give you my body and blood in your very mouth to strengthen you so that you may taste and see that the Lord is good, that you may have forgiveness of sins, life and salvation, that you may have joy, true joy, the substance of joy this Godhead Sunday is all about Jesus. The substance of us beginning our anniversary year and hopefully of me now serving as one of your pastors here, is all about Jesus, who comes and hides Himself yet in such simple ways of word and sacrament, who gives you the great opportunity, just like John's disciples, to give reason for that hope that lives within you, so that when you have a coworker, a friend, a family member, even those that really annoy you, you might have the opportunity to share a little bit about this Jesus fellow, about what He's done for you, about how your sin has been forgiven. And perhaps you might even invite them to come here, in this place, to hear that word and receive those gifts. May God grant us a great understanding of what true joy is all about. May God grant us a firm, a firm and saving faith that He freely gives and in all these things, may we say, in the name of Jesus, Amen. the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen.